Hey there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So, hello again, everyone. It has been far too long, my friends, without a doubt. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be back here with you all for another week of the magnificent Made of Metal podcast. Thank you so much for your patience. It's been such a long two weeks. (laughs) And in that time, I've gotten all moved into my new place out in the Wild West. So quite a change from the East Coast, but oh so needed. I can honestly say I'm loving it here. The mountain life I mean, it seems to suit me nicely. And with all major chains comes an entirely refreshed perspective. So I've been sort of letting you guys know that I was working on something important, something big that you guys will hear from me about in the next couple of weeks. So if you're not on my mailing list, join today. You can join on my link tree. You can join on my website. Please, please do. But I couldn't wait to get back here and pen you guys another episode. I'm so motivated. I'm so focused and really, really ready to take the show to the next level. So let's get right into it. This week, although I was out the previous two weeks, we are still moving forward with celebrating Pride Month and paying homage to our LGBTQ icons in history. Oh, and I did attend one of my first Pride events ever back home in DC the other week as well. It was absolutely incredible. The love and energy throughout the place was palpable. It was just like such an awesome experience. And I wish I'd gone in previous years. I was just so like, I just try to avoid crowds just to be like full transparency. (laughs) But I was like, yeah, this is historic. I got to go out. It was really, I really was like, I I didn't regret it. So (laughs) the individual we'll be covering this week is considered one of the pioneering figures within the early LGBTQ movement. And she was often called the mother of gay rights. Now, this person's story is unique in that it began not with a group of people, but with one individual who questioned the identity that society had defined for them. This individual founded a number of LGBTQ alliances and organizations that are still operational today. Essentially, Pride Month wouldn't have been possible without the invaluable work and advocacy by this individual. Unfortunately, and I am like truly ashamed and embarrassed to say this, but like I very much believe in authenticity. I am a huge supporter of the LGBTQ movement and community, and I knew very little about this individual. So embarrassing, so ashamed. And the only reason why I knew what I did know is because of my own interest in feminism and history. I knew a bit of their story, but certainly not what I should have known. And definitely not the amount of detail I learned when I did my research, which, of course, is always so interesting and satisfying. But it's just a crime, a travesty that these stories aren't more visible, that they aren't shared more, you know, freely. Her story is amazing. So... Without further delay, let's get into this week's episode. This week, we'll be covering the protester, the patron, the proud, Barbara Giddings. 
Barbara Giddings was born on July 31st, 1932 in Vienna, Austria to her parents, Elizabeth and John. Barbara was the youngest of three children with a brother and a sister. Barbara's father was a U.S. diplomat and her mother stayed home to raise the children. Barbara's childhood was peaceful with her family being deeply religious and involved in the Catholic Church. Barbara attended a Catholic school and became so convinced in her beliefs that she contemplated joining in order to become a nun, which I did too. Fun fact, I did too. (laughs) Although this didn't come to fruition, religion would play a major part in how Barbara was accepted by her family later on. Around 1939, during the beginning of World War II, Barbara and her family moved to Wilmington, Delaware in the United States. When Barbara entered high school in 1948, she was an exceptional student who showed a great passion for learning. Naturally, Barbara submitted her interest in joining the National Honor Society, which is an organization for students who are academically gifted and display other exemplary character traits. With Barbara's track record at school, there was little doubt that she would be accepted. Unfortunately, instead of acceptance, Barbara would receive a shocking rejection. The reason being, a teacher took Barbara aside and explained that she wasn't accepted into the National Honor Society due to her homosexual inclinations. This was the first time that Barbara had even heard the word homosexual and been forced to deal with the unfortunate consequences of being discriminated against. So who, like, what? Who says that to a high school student? Oh, yeah, like, because you're gay, we can't let you into the honor society. You might spread the gay. Like, what? Oh, man. The impact of this experience didn't leave Barbara for many years, And it was in college that Barbara would begin to fully understand and comprehend who she was. While in college, Barbara developed feelings for a classmate that was her friend. And although the two were not in a relationship, gossip started that they were lesbians. While dealing with all the tension at school and her own feelings, Barbara decided to seek the help of a psychiatrist. Psychiatry at the time considered homosexuality to be a mental illness, and Barbara was officially diagnosed as well as offered a treatment plan. While Barbara thankfully didn't begin the treatment plan, she was at a loss. She had no idea where to learn more about her situation and to learn more about others like her. This sparked an insatiable curiosity. And with it, Barbara began a journey into researching more about her new homosexual identity. And this journey began in one of the greatest places on earth, the library. Now, okay, y'all don't even, you don't even know, I am a lifelong library lover. I used to skip school to go to the library and the librarians did not snitch on me. Like, what? I loved the library. I loved just sitting in the reading room, reading tons of books. I would even go into the kids' reading room to, like, hide from people. And again, the librarians never snitched. They were like, you want to read? 
do it anywhere and everywhere at any time during school hours. <laughs> it was great. I love the library. So, and I just love how the library was Barbara's starting point to learn more about who she was because the library is really, for me, it was really a neutral ground, but we'll learn a little bit more about how the library landscape was back in Barbara's time. Because unfortunately, the library that Barbara was going into was not the same one that I was going into because it didn't really have the knowledge that Barbara was seeking. Most of the literature that Barbara read related to homosexuality or any mentions of homosexuality were not written by any actual homosexual authors. Instead, the literature describing homosexuality would use negative definitions and connotations, stereotypes, such as that homosexuals were perverts or deviants. So during that time period, homosexuality was officially classed as abnormal psychology. Barbara also noticed that all the literature exclusively spoke on homosexuality in men and not in women. Barbara's curiosity evolved into a burning passion. And instead of attending classes, Barbara would spend all her days in the library, reading, learning, and absorbing as much as she could about homosexuality. I guess everybody was skipping school and going to the library. Wow. Naturally, when you don't attend classes, there are consequences, and Barbara dropped out of college. When Barbara arrived home from school, she was ashamed and confused about how to move forward with all her newfound knowledge and revelations concerning her sexuality. She had always been a bookworm and began seeking out literature that was considered controversial because it featured themes of same-sex attraction. Barbara also took a class about psychology that focused on abnormal psychology and homosexuality to learn even more. Man, these resources that she... Absolute trash. Trash resources. I mean, literature, always A1, but having to take a class on abnormal psychology just to learn about homosexuality. God, so sad. When Barbara was 18, she decided to leave her family and her childhood home to move to the city of Philadelphia. While living in Philly, Barbara acquired a stronger sense of autonomy and decided to fully embrace her homosexuality. Traditionally, gay bars were not a thing of the time, and the only ones that existed were in New York, usually exclusively for men. But lesbians were sometimes welcome as well. Barbara started going to New York on the weekends to seek out gay bars, as this was her only option to connect with others in the gay community. Feeling like she didn't quite fit into the scene, Barbara began looking elsewhere to cultivate a sense of belonging. At the advice of a friend, Barbara would travel to California to the One Inc. organization, which was an early LGBTQ activist organization that provided resources to those who identified as homosexual. Through her travels, Barbara connected with two ladies named Phyllis and Dell. These were the co-founders of an organization called Daughters of Belitis, which was one of the first lesbian rights organizations in the country. And I really hope I said that right. A couple years later, Phyllis and Dell asked Barbara to start her own chapter of the DOB in New York City. 
Barbara jumped at the chance and put an ad in the paper, which was responded by a few ladies. Barbara was president of the chapter and worked hard to expose the ladies to the varying opinions on homosexuality across industries, as they'd invite various speakers to their meetings. These speakers were often biased against the women, using disparaging language to describe them and their homosexuality, damning them to hell, and all kinds of horrible and stupid rhetoric. The ladies would listen and absorb these opinions, understanding that they were not their personal truths, but simply incorrect and ignorant assumptions made by a public that knew next to nothing about them as people. But that didn't mean that there weren't unlikely allies out there as well. While in New York, Barbara worked a clerical position for an architectural firm. In one circumstance, Barbara was using company envelopes with the logos covered to send out the DOB newsletter. The company was alerted and Barbara was questioned by her manager. Instead of firing her, the manager, which was a woman, seemed to vaguely support Barbara's cause, telling her to simply be more careful with her materials in the future. Barbara continued being the president of the New York City chapter of the DOB until 1961. In 1963, Barbara began a new position with the organization, editing their publication called The Ladder. The latter was a LGBTQ-friendly magazine that featured issues that were near and dear to the LGBTQ community. Barbara made several changes to the magazine during her time as editor, such as adding a lesbian review under the title and adding photos of real lesbians to the cover, as well as featuring more polarizing homosexual issues with a political spin. Barbara was an avid activist and would travel all over to protest and picket to further gay rights. In the early 1960s, Barbara attended the first gay march on the White House to protest the government's discriminatory policies against homosexuals. So back in the day, the government could literally fire you for being gay. I don't know why that's just so crazy to me. Like that's Oh, man, the things that used to be accepted, just wild, wild. Sometimes it feels like we're going back in time. (laughs) Uh, This was covered nationally on the news and was the first time that a gay rights protest was featured on mainstream media. Through the 1960s, Barbara would lead an early gay rights protest called the Annual Reminder until the first official gay pride parade. One of Barbara's biggest contributions to the LGBTQ rights movement was her landmark hearings with Dr. Charles Sokorides in the Department of Defense, discrediting his stance that homosexuality is grounds to be fired from your position. Barbara and a fellow activist friend named Frank Kameni succeeded in having the good doctor thrown out as an expert witness. Later on, Barbara continued on her mission to change the narrative surrounding homosexuality by also helping to impact the availability of authentic and unbiased gay literature within American libraries. Barbara advocated for the American Library Association to provide more visibility and opportunity for gay authors 
and staged a stunt at the National American Library Association convention in 1971. Barbara hosted a gay kissing booth at the convention, eventually deciding to kiss a fellow activist in a show of solidarity. The kiss was captured and shown around the world, and Barbara became a media sensation, succeeding in creating a conversation about homosexuality where once it was never spoken on at all. A year later, Barber and Frank also went after the American Psychiatric Association for their incorrect classification of homosexuality as mental illness, which is... What? Oh my God. Mm. A panel discussion was organized and a brave gay psychiatrist testified against his peers in disguise in that it was a completely false and totally unsupported conclusion by the APA that homosexuality was a mental disorder. Because of the impact of that discussion and testimony, the APA officially removed homosexuality as a mental illness. In the late 1970s, Barbara also co-founded the National Gay Task Force, as well as the Gay Nurse Alliance. Barbara continued her activism with her life partner, whom she met at a DOB rally all the way into her retirement. Barbara will receive many accolades in her lifetime, as well as being inducted into the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor in the Stonewall Inn in New York City. Barbara passed away on February 8, 2007, and was buried in the Congressional Cemetery in D.C., one of the highest posthumous honors. Okay, so this story literally gave me chills and inspired me in ways that I just, I mean, I just can't describe. Like, as someone who also identifies with the LGBT community, I am bisexual or queer, it is just totally unfathomable to me the discrimination to understand the amount of all-around BS people had to deal with back in the day just to exist They're not even asking for anything extra besides the bare minimum of being able to exist without being bothered or discriminated against. It always strikes me whenever I read stories about discrimination, even, you know, being African-American, being gay, being a woman. It's just crazy. These are things that why are you discriminating against me for something that literally has nothing to do with you, has no negative impact on your life? I mean, people were being murdered for being gay back in the day. Like, it wasn't just you're gay and you're being ridiculed. It's like you're gay and I'm going to, like, beat you up and kill you. It's just, again, I can't wrap my head around it. I've just, I'm so humbled and astounded by the amount of sheer work and willpower it took for the past LGBTQ folks to be acknowledged and recognized to just be able to live. I mean, the hardships and obstacles that had to be faced the constant threat of death on your shoulders. Um, and, and let's not even talk about the American Psychiatric Association. Like, what's going on there? Like, how can an organization that is based in science and, you know, medicine truly make and support such asinine claims? But the work this woman did, truly, truly life-changing, truly an icon, truly historic and with the libraries as well, because I had always felt that the library was a pretty neutral place. But I guess I can thank Barbara for that, for me even having that opinion. 
I mean, I just truly love this story for so many reasons, but I truly adored and idolized the straightforward determination, strength, and courage of Barbara from the very beginning. Oh, and just a little tidbit, in her retirement, she had to advocate for her and her partner to be accepted into AARP. And this was in 1999. Here's an amazing quote from her. Of course, I had to end it with a delicious quote. Equality means more than passing laws. The struggle is really won in the hearts and minds of the community. And that's where it really counts. So you can check out our website at madeofmentalpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube at Made of Metal Podcast. And that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. So stay tuned, you guys. I have something really, really good coming. Something that I've been working on for a while that I want to share with my ladies who have survived living under and having a childhood living under a narcissistic or abusive mother. I have something just for you. Cannot wait to share. And for everyone else, you are also going to love this. So I hope everyone has had a wonderful summer. I'm so glad to be back. I love each and every one of you. And please do not forget to bloom where you are planted.